There is an undeniable golden thread that draws together God's desire for his people to rest. His desire for people to rest starts at the very beginning of the Bible and still remains true today. Rest, ironically, is an act of faith. It is faith in action. God rested on the seventh day after he'd finished his unparalleled work of creation. Let us follow this thread then as to how frequently God gave his people instruction to rest on the seventh day. It is no coincidence that this is in fact episode seven in the series for such a time as this. I'm Angelique Detoy and I thank you for connecting with me on today's podcast. There is power in stillness. So going all the way back to the beginning, which is what Genesis means, we read that on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, and so he rested from all of his work, not only rested, but admired the work that he had created. In the previous six episodes, we've been focusing on how the COVID-19 global lockdown very much resembles how God led Moses and his people out of the place of lockdown and slavery, and he led them into a new way of life by opening their hearts, their eyes, ears, and minds to a mighty awakening of the reality of God. It's important to remember that for 400 years they'd only been familiar with the gods of Egypt. They were entrapped with a mindset of slavery. They were beset by hopelessness and they probably lost faith that a deliverer would ever appear. Yet at the perfect time, God presented himself through Moses, who had been accurately and distinctly trained and raised for such a time for the deliverance of an entire nation. Here's the stunning realization though. When God delivered this ragtag group of people from the grip and enslavement of Pharaoh, he powerfully parted the Red Sea so that they could cross over on dry land. He fed them and quenched their thirst supernaturally. Even their shoes and their clothing never wore out. And he led them by a fire and a cloud. But their greatest challenge was to get the mindset and imprint of Egypt and its customs out of them so that they could get to know the true living God. But they did seem hard of learning, (laughs) I guess like many of us today. Sadly, this is what happens when we are molded and influenced in the ways that work against us and can even deform us in our thinking and may even ultimately lead to our sense of hopelessness. God had to show a firm side of himself to the people and he had to do it through a man chosen for such a time. Otherwise, the people would have died from the sheer intensity of God's actual presence and power. So first God met Moses through a burning bush, then in a cloud and on the mountaintop. And finally, Moses became God's messenger even though he felt unqualified and apparently suffered from a stammer or a stutter. He had so many excuses as to why this task should fall to someone else. Does that sound familiar? 
God may call you to something and yet you so quickly say, but I feel unqualified, I'm not able, I don't have time. Through Moses, however, God taught the people to respect God's power. But what God needed, firstly, was Moses' obedience. God showed them the need for obedience to authority for their own protection and survival. I think so often in our world today, people shirk off authority and you know we downplay it, but really it is for our own protection and survival. He wanted people to learn to trust him and to lean into him with real faith and to grasp the magnitude of his omniscience and omnipotence. You can read the book of Exodus yourself to get more insight into Moses' life-changing experiences with God and how his saying yes to God made all of the difference to the way the people were able to be led out of Egypt. It may inspire you to put away your own excuses and to walk into your own God-ordained destiny. I opened this podcast by sharing that after God had completed his magnificent creation, that he chose to rest on the seventh day. This must be of great significance to God because through the process of getting the old system of a slavery mindset out of the people, God gave a very important instruction in Exodus 16 verse 30. He told the people that they were to rest on the seventh day. It was a non-negotiable. It was a must-do. And God was never going to accept that they didn't rest on the seventh day. So why is rest so important? Why is stillness so demanded by God? It is very interesting that if you put a second E into the word rest, you get the word reset, which is exactly what it's intended to do. Your rest is intended to reset you, to reset you for the week ahead, the tasks that lie before you, the challenges that you may have, some of the demands of the workplace, perhaps some opposition that you may be facing. And we only really find the solutions to those when we have that time of rest and are able to be reset. I'm sure that many of you will agree that in this time of isolation and lockdown, we've been forced to reset many things in our lives. Everything from our use of time, to how we relate to others, to what is really important in life and what is not. And many have had to reset financially. For certain, there is power in stillness. There is potency in rest and reflection. God knew we needed it, and so he is in the process of turning this pandemic around for our good, as we've been forced to set things aside, to rest and to become still. So as I go ahead in this podcast, I'm taking excerpts out of my book, Turn It Around, to underscore these truths, especially as I've experienced them in my own life. Because often in the whirlwind of life, 
It seems that one of the most difficult but essential actions to take is to cease taking action for a while and regain proper perspective. When we do so, we give ourselves the opportunity to reshape, reframe and reform our thinking. It is astonishing what happens when we give ourselves the freedom to turn something around in our minds and to look at it from another angle. Just as the Israelites needed to turn from a mindset of slavery to accepting freedom, so we need to shift from a whirlwind of busyness to taking time to rest and reset. When last did you stop and ask yourself why you do something in a certain way or view a situation from a particular angle, or even why you hold a firm belief about a person or some circumstance? Turning it around may be the very action required to reveal your answer, to find a fresh solution, or to experience that long-awaited breakthrough. Not to mention the potential of having a meaningful, life-defining change. If it could happen for Moses, if it could happen for the people that were delivered out of Egypt, it can happen to you. But it is most often found in the power of stillness. We are mostly rigidly set in our way of thinking and what we believe, so much so that we unknowingly short-circuit the pathway that leads to our growth. This could hinder us from taking advantage of new opportunities that present themselves just about every day. Familial ways entrenched through generations of repetitive patterns of negative thinking and behavior can so easily become our life configuration and outcome. We have no idea why we steadfastly continue to hold on to dogmas, stigmas and dramas that are not fitting for our lives, but we do. We dislike the outcomes, but we keep doing the same things anyway. Being confined to a deeply rooted mindset can work for or against you. To know which it is, you have to examine the results and the consequences in your life. Are you experiencing a healthy, plentiful and abundant harvest in all of the areas of your life? And those areas will be seen spiritually, relationally, emotionally, mentally, physically, socially and financially. Or is your reaping scant and lean? And does your life bear the marks of drought and dysfunction? When you take the time to be still, you can reflect on the many aspects of your life and turn them around so that you can experience liberating truths despite the negativity around you or the downward spiral of daily news and I have just decided to switch off the news it is so self-serving, it is so overblown, and the endless opinions of other people leave you in an absolute spin of uncertainty. 
So turning it around can offer you a clear pathway rather that leads you to find a firm footing amid the shaky ground that we are all experiencing right now. In the hurly-burly of life, it is our responsibility, nobody else's, to access what God has created for us and to choose the way we think, speak, act and live in every aspect of our life. In Joshua's life, and Joshua was Moses' protege, Joshua learned from Moses' leadership and experience that when the baton was passed on to him, God instructed Joshua and he needed to obey to be sure that he meditated on the words of God day and night. And that's such an instruction for us to rather do that than to keep filling our minds with the endless trail of bad news, of doom and gloom. And Joshua was instead instructed to observe all of the things that God's word contained. I immediately think of that scripture in Philippians that says, meditate on these things, think on these things that are pure and that are good and that are holy, that build you up and not tear you down. Is it any wonder people go to bed anxious at night, tossing and turning and toiling in their sleep because of the news that fills their minds, their hearts and creates nothing but panic, anxiety and fear? On the opposite side, God said, Joshua, if you meditate on my word day and night, you will make your way prosperous and deal wisely and have good success. Why don't you read about that in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8? Since God is the same yesterday, today and forever, this very same powerful principle applies to you. So how do we access this power and stillness, you may ask? Well, let us go to the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, and let us think for a moment, let us meditate on Jesus' unequivocal instruction. This is what he said. Pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you, and you will be given even greater ability to respond, and more will be given to you besides. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given, and whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. This being true then, and it's a very, very powerful scripture, and you may want to go back and listen to it again, but this being true, there is every hope for you to shift your perceptions in this changing world and live in God-created abundance and joy in every sphere of your life. Why? Because the first point is pay attention to what you hear. Because by your own standard of measurement, it's going to be measured back to you. So it stands to reason then that if you're filling your mind and your heart with things that make you fearful, what is going to come back to you? Nothing but intensified fear. We deserve 
to live in the God-created abundance and joy in every sphere of our life. Why? Because Jesus paid a very, very high price for it. I have learned in my own life that sometimes it is just a little tweak of a thought, a shift in perception or a change of opinion that opens up new horizons before me. I made an important personal decision some time ago. It may seem rather humdrum and old-fashioned to you, but maybe not so. It might just perhaps be worth lending an ear to. I decided to be obedient, especially in response to the rush no more call, and to give the technology demand a break. It so very easily can become your master, that small little device that makes itself at home in your hand and is just short of being permanently welded to your limb. It insidiously makes you believe that you cannot live without it. Then there is that subtle pressure to take out your technology and work on your day of rest in order to prepare, just in case you are rushing everywhere on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, and perhaps the whole week. I knew there had to be more significance to the age-old commandment to rest on the seventh day. There is such great wisdom in having a day of committed rest and relaxation, stillness and reflection. Therefore, one of the kindest decisions I made for myself, since I cannot control or dictate other people's choices, is to honour my day of rest, my day of no rushing, no technology, no work, no deadlines and no commerce. To be faithful to the conviction of my own heart, it has become my treasured day of rest. I call it my hammock day and I look forward to it every week. And it's not so much the day of the week that is important, but that you take one day a week and get off that relentless treadmill that is ever increasing in speed and demand. Put the day aside for connection with family and friends. Take some well-deserved time to enjoy your leisure activities. Eat a delicious meal together. Laugh, reflect, take a walk, a nap, read. Just be kind to yourself and all the while talk to God. He knows why he created the day for you to be still. And he knows you need it. Since I made that all-important decision and turned around what felt like another workday, I have been revived, refreshed and energised. There is so much merit and benefit in obeying the instruction to recognise the stillness. It is not an outdated, ancient or lost practice. It is rather vital to our sense of equilibrium, well-being and most importantly to our worship, the art of staying connected to our source who is God. In his book, The Art of Stillness, author Pico Uyo says, Our creations come not when we're out in the world gathering impressions, but when we're sitting still, turning those impressions into sentences. Our job, you could say, is to turn through stillness a life of movement into art. And in my words, in the stillness of your soul, you will reflect and see. But stillness takes discipline. But discipline, however, is what it takes if you want the power to live a meaningful life. 
Stillness is one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself and your family. It is more relaxing than a full day at the spa. It is invigorating beyond words. It's more energizing than your best form of exercise, even more soulful than listening to your favorite piece of music. Your ears become more attuned. Your heart becomes more open, especially to hear those quiet whispers from God. Interestingly, your heart rate slows, your breathing becomes even, and his peace overflows you like a river. We all have a choice. We can look at this time of global shutdown with frustration, tremble in fear, be pent up with anxiety, or give in to hopelessness. Or we can turn it around for our good. So why not take this time? Embrace the silence, the stillness, the quietness, the time of reflection. It's an ideal time to awaken your therapeutic gifts of painting or any other form of artwork, whether it be writing or photography. Just focusing on that, which brings you joy, peace and enjoyment. So let me leave you with this thought. Because it's usually what is produced in the place of quiet that will be expressed in public. Remember, Jesus went about his daily tasks with the exact representation of the times that he spent in quiet communion with his Father. So think about this. We most often have to retreat in silence to return in power. I don't know the author of this beautiful little piece, but I want to share it with you. I need wide spaces in my heart where faith and I can go apart and grow serene. Life gets so choked by busy living, kindness so lost in fussy giving that love slips by unseen. So you, dear friend, when you feel rushed, chased or frenetic in any area of your life, keep reminding yourself to return to stillness because there is power in stillness. So from me, Angelique de Toy, may God bless you and keep you. May God make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. And remember, hope will always light up your way. I look forward to connecting with you for episode eight, where we will talk about how you are positioned for the here and the now.